Hello there. So I'm back now with the next Royal Rumble review. It's a Royal Rumble 2005, which is an important show for uh, a few reasons here, which uh, went on to become quite significant. And it gets starts with a bang, really. The first match here is Shawn Michaels versus Edge. This was a great feud. This was really the feud that really cemented and confirmed that Edge was going to be a big-time player uh, as a main eventer. He had sort of turned heel a few months earlier. They did that Taboo Tuesday pay-per-view when they, you can pick who faces the champion or whatever. And then uh, Edge, Edge picked, uh, and the, the fans picked Shawn Michaels instead, and Edge then went heel and whatever. So this led to this, his first real, you know, sort of big main event feud as a heel. And uh, the feud was great, and the match here was outstanding. Edge wins. Fantastic. Fantastic stuff. He'd later also go on to have a great show in the Rumble match itself. This is the match of the night right at the start of the show. It's been, sometimes in the Rumble you don't often get a big match like this on the undercard, but this was a huge match and this was great. Fantastic stuff. Up next, Undertaker versus Heidenreich in a casket match. If you don't remember Heidenreich, you ain't missing much. Let's be real. Uh, he was pretty garbage, to be honest. And during this, a lot of, over the years, Undertaker, the worst big men always, they always seem to put in with the Undertaker, especially when they first come along, like a giant Gonzalez and all that as well. Uh, Undertaker, unfortunately, has had to go through a lot of that. But this match is honestly not too bad, about as good as you could realistically expect it to be. It's not even the worst match of the night. It overcomes a lot of odds. Like even Big Snitsky gets involved. You think, oh, God, Snitsky just was terrible. He was even worse than Hyde Wright, to be honest. And then, uh, what was his name? Uh, Kane got involved. So that was kind of cool. Undertaker and Kane working together at that point for a little bit. It's always nice. The match itself is actually fine. It, it's, it could have been a lot worse. Yeah, so, you know, Undertaker wins. Good. You know. Uh, up next, WWE title match and a triple threat match. JBL defending against Kurt Angle and Big Show. Uh, this is a pleasant surprise to go back and watch. I thoroughly enjoyed this match. This was great, fast-paced, thoroughly entertaining, just what a triple threat match needs to be. This was put on the YouTube channel as well a couple of weeks back, I noticed that, so I went back and watched it and enjoyed it a great deal. You know that? Uh, JBL retains as... He, JBL, to be fair, did a really good job as champion, I would say. It was one of those out of left field things when JBL suddenly became a main eventer, but you know what? He took the ball and he ran with it. It was made of a character champion and he did a really good job of it. And, you know, he was basically being prepped up to be the big heel heater for Cena at basically beat him at WrestleMania 21. He did, he did his job incredibly well. So there you have it. JBL. Uh, so much. I do have a, a lot of respect for JBL. So there you have it. Uh, up next, though, world title match, Triple H versus Randy Orton. This match is fucking boring. I am no, this is just so bad, this match. It's really, really dull. Um, they really screwed the pooch with the Randy Orton face turn in 2004. I've mentioned that before, Unforgiven 2004 review. This kind of ended the feud for a little bit here. The match itself is just so dull. You look like... Orton's working an injury, working a concussion angle or whatever, and then Triple H just hits him with a sledgehammer behind the referee's back, then Perry agrees him and wins. This was dull. It's so slow and boring, this match. 
this was the worst match of the night. You know you're in trouble when Undertaker Heidenreich's better than this. But to be fair, Randy Orton would kind of start getting his steam back a couple of months after this when he'd go on to face Undertaker at WrestleMania 21, which was be a great feud in 2005. So there you have it. And we come to the Rumble match itself. Kicks off in a appropriate way with Chris Benoit and Eddie Guerrero as the first two. Hey, they've got all their history with the Radicals and everything like that. Plus, not just that, but they, they had that moment at WrestleMania 20 when they, they had the two world titles. So, you know, kicking off with them too made sense. Edge comes in about number seven and he lasts. He's like the finishes third and then he gets the final four so he finishes third he gets what a, a star making night for edge really he gets the the great match at the start with sean and a great run up uh, a great run at the rumble and then you've also got speaking of sean he comes in it later on kurt angle comes in not long after and this sets up the sean michaels kurt angle classic for wrestlemania and sean kicks kurt out and then kurt comes back and flings sean out uh, this was great. This, uh, this was great setting up a cross-brand Raw versus SmackDown match for WrestleMania. This very rarely happens in the Royal Rumble, and you would think that would be a no these days now. And you think something like that would be a no-brainer, but they never do it now. They just do the stupid champions versus champions, meaningless matches at Survivor Series that no one cares about. Uh, well, but you know, Sean and Kurt Angle—they had a great feud as well, leading into WrestleMania, one of the all-time WrestleMania classics. And fittingly, we come down to the last two, and this are Batista and John Cena. And this is why this is quite a significant show in many ways. It's not only did you have the great breakout performance from Edge, but you're really cementing these two as your new top guys, one for Raw, one for SmackDown, going forward. Having these two come out <laughs> as the last two made sense. It made it somewhat unpredictable. I think Batista was always heavily favoured with the whole Triple H thing to go into this. But, you know, having Cena as the last, second last person in with him made sense too because he was getting his momentum. So it did create some doubt. And then, of course, you have the, fin the botched finish when they both go for the top rope. And you must be thinking to yourself, they must have been thinking, oh, God, these are the two guys we're going with and then they fuck up the finish. It's like, it's one of those things that happens. And then at least a bit of a clusterfuck. Vince McMahon runs down and tears both his quads as well. <laughs> Just <laughs> he always has to outdo Triple H, doesn't he? Triple he always outdoes his son-in-law. Even Triple H just <laughs> Vince has to like tear both his quads. Just that's the man. That's that's the man Vince is. Always outdoing Triple H. Vince McMahon will always be better than Triple H. Uh, that's just another reason why. But uh, yeah, they restart it. Batista wins. The right guy wins because it sets up the big storyline, the intrigue with Batista and Triple H and Triple H trying to con him into going to SmackDown or whatever. <laughs> yeah, great stuff. Made, made for some great TV. So Batista, the right guy wins here. So there you have it. And they didn't do the Brett Luger finish, thank God. <laughs> we don't need that again. Yeah, overall, so it's Royal Rumble 2005 is a thoroughly entertaining show. Just the one clanger, the world title match sucks, but everything else is actually pretty. Even the casket match is somewhat watchable. I mean, Heidenreich overall was a pretty poor talent, but, you know, it was somewhat watchable. So there you go, Royal Rumble 2005, definitely a thumbs up, and uh, definitely a show which was very important for the future going forward with Ferris for the uh, WWE. Uh, so the next Royal Rumble review I'll be doing is Royal Rumble 2000 a day. So skipping forward to that one. So uh, thanks ever so much for listening.